Hey, Mike Brancatelli here. Welcome back to a new episode of Mike Delic. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for checking out the show. However you came about finding this show, however you discovered this show, thanks for checking us out and giving it a listen. I've been doing this show now officially for three years, and uh, man, it's every episode is different. Every week is different. Every single show is a further step in the uh, evolution of myself and the show as one uh, coming into being as a newly evolved, ever-expanding and growing uh, fluid life form or entity of its own energetic frequency. So thank you uh, to all the people that have been following along and listening along since day one. You guys are my my lovers and friends. You guys are the best. I appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who's new, who's just checking out the show. Um, so thank you. We've got so many awesome episodes with amazing guests. We've got a lot of solo casts that I've done, um, really just ranging the gamut between kind of, you know, personal stories and, um, you know, getting kind of vulnerable, sharing some some things uh, about the, the journey of life that we all face, some uh, episodes getting deep into consciousness and, and psychedelic spirituality, uh, philosophy, psychology, talking about society, culture, politics, government, these sorts of things. Um, so it's all... It's all under the sun under in the mycadelic world. And, you know, just um, sometimes I, I tell people, well, you know, I do this show, Mycadelic, and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, I guess it's about psychedelics. But, you know, I really like Humphrey Osmond's definition of the word psychedelic. He, of course, coined the term psychedelic, but it comes from the Greek um, Latin words of psycho and delos, uh, which means mind manifesting or manifesting of the mind. And uh, I really like that sort of definition, you know, because it's not all about substances on the show. It's not necessarily all about altered states of consciousness, but this is about thinking for yourself, questioning things, being curious, uh, investigating, uh, you know, topics that uh, maybe we've been told about things for a long time, and uh, maybe it's not the correct things. Maybe we should be asking questions. Maybe we should be thinking a different way. But it's also about sharing your truth, reporting your true story of your life experience to other people out there, because we're not in this alone. We all are in this together, and there's a lot more similarities that we have them differences. So that's it. That's my short little uh, spiel. Uh, I apologize for the long intros to the people out there that don't like the long intros. I've tried to, I've included timestamps where you can skip ahead to the interview, to the conversation. Um, I'm really trying to work on finding a balanced approach here of get doing an intro and talking, you know, sometimes I, I do these longer intros because I just feel really passionate. I feel like I'm in a flow state and I have this lightning in a bottle that I just want to blurt out. And, you know, maybe sometimes I hit, I hit it and sometimes I don't, sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off, but sometimes I just feel like, man, I got something flowing and I got to get it out. So, you know, for example, the last episode with Hamilton Souther, Great episode, great conversation. Unfortunately, the internet connection gave us a little bit of static throughout the interview. He was coming in from Iquitos, Peru. It's not so great there. But I felt uh, compelled to kind of uh, share some insights that I had the night before, and uh, and it was the relevant place to do that. So anyway, moving forward, I'm really going to try and keep the intros to uh, under 10 minutes long. 
The last one, I think, was a bit longer, but we had that Psychedelics Today ad that was in there. Um, so with that being said, uh, thank you to all the people who like the intros, the people who like the solo casts that I do. Uh, I appreciate that very much. And so just uh, you know, message me on Instagram, message me on Facebook, go to my website, mikebrank.com, fill in the contact form. Let me know, what do you like? What don't you like? What would you like to see more of? What kind of guests would you like to see on the show? Do you want to see more solo casts? Do you want to see no intros? You know, how would you, uh, if this was your show, what would you be doing? Let me know. I want to know. Uh, this is a collaborative effort, and we're a team here. So thank you very much uh, for your feedback. Always much appreciated. If, of course, if you want to support the show, you can go on to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. We have 146 uh, ratings. And really, what's really cool is that we have like 76 reviews. So a special thanks to all the people that take time out of their lives to write a review. Because uh, it really, it, 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 it warms my heart. I'm always uh, just filled with joy when I hear um, how you guys feel about the show. And that then helps let other people know what we have going on here and spreading this message of freedom, liberty, expanding consciousness, you know, evolving to a higher state of being and uh, empowering ourselves to be responsible uh, people, making voluntary decisions to get along and, and live in a better, healthier, more prosperous society uh, with uh, the freedom to ingest whatever we please and the benefits of psychedelics. So he's spreading that message putting that signal out there. You know, I'm an independent creator. I do this whole thing on my own, all on myself. Besides from the uh, 25 or so patrons, my Patreon people, my producers of the show, thank you. I love you all. Big shout out to, of course, Hell, uh, Sarah, Gary, uh, Austin, Zach, you know, all you guys. If I'm leaving everyone, anyone out, I'm sorry. But uh, they're in the Inner Sanctum Mycadelic WhatsApp chat group. And I love this group because it just brings people from all around the world together in a community to talk about relevant topics discussed on the show, share trip reports, stories, and all that kind of stuff. So you can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. Every little bit helps. Uh, it's really, really great. And uh, if you don't want to do a monthly thing, you could go to my website. I have a PayPal one-time donation. You could do that as well. I do have sponsors on the show. They're all affiliate sponsors. Uh, so, you know, they're not paying me for, for sponsorship. They're just companies that I think are doing some cool things. And I'm happy to share what they're doing. I use their products. I use their services. And uh, if you guys use them too, I get like a little, you know, kickback or whatever for for you know, promoting them. So psychedelics today, uh, go check them out. Their course, navigating psychedelics. If you're going through a different, difficult psychedelic experience, if you just want to be more educated about psychedelics, these guys are on the forefront of providing the best resources to do that. Hemp bombs, CBD, hemp derived CBD, go get that. It's uh hempbombs.com. Put in the code Mike 15 to get 15% off and synchro plant-based and keto nutrition products. Go to synchro. Uh, dot com and uh, put in Mike Adelic, you get 20% off of some awesome stuff over there. So that's about it. Today's show was with, uh, it was with an, an awesome, awesome guest, uh, Jennifer Sodini. Me and Jennifer have, have been like uh, social media buddies, you know, for a long time. And I was just, I was so thrilled that I got a, a chance to talk to her. It's like, you know, I feel like I, I really uh, know her even more now, of course, uh, getting to talk to her. But you know what I mean? It's a great, good conversation. 
Her website is Evolve and Ascend. Go check it out. Like I said, all the links are in the show notes. All the links for everything is in the show notes. So check that out um, on the website, in Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, But Evolve and Ascend is an amazing website putting out great content involving consciousness, culture, and theogens, the occult, um, you know, astrology. They have uh, stuff about magic, spirituality, uh, music, art. Just uh, really, you know, uh, really full, comprehensive, all-in-one place, very beautifully designed website, easy to navigate, talking about uh, the things that we love and care about on this show. She's also a partner for Whitma Live. Whitma Live is a conscious event series that uh, is bringing live events together with curated panels to uh, talk about experiences centered on empowering and uh, activating the imagination, alternative viewpoints, um, gathering together like-minded individuals, and really exploring what well-being truly means in this modern time that we live in. So check out Whitma Live as well. Jennifer's also an author of an amazing uh, children's book that's promoting inclusivity and connectedness, uh, just an uplifting, great book. Uh, that she published in 2014 called The Unity Tree, and the links for that are in the show notes as well. Uh, Jennifer also has her own website, jennifersodini.com. Follow uh, Evolve and Ascend on Instagram, Jennifer Sodini on Instagram, uh, Facebook, everywhere. And she also has a deck of oracle cards, the Amenti Oracle Feather Heart Deck and Guidebook, Ancient Wisdom for the Modern World by Jennifer Sodini, illustrated by Natalie Miller. Um, and so it's really cool. You know, some of this stuff is outside of my purview. I'm not so, I, I'm not so knowledgeable about Oracle cards and, um, astrology and occult type stuff and magic and, and, uh, ancient esoteric wisdom and these sorts of things. So it's really great to talk to somebody who is, who has been doing this her whole life, as you, as you'll see in the show, hear her story. And, uh, and really that's about it. So, uh, thank you everybody. Uh, follow Mikeadelic underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, I'm putting out daily content there. And uh, without further ado, the wonderful, the amazing, the courageous, the brave, the talented Jennifer Sodini, everybody. Enjoy. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. question why are you here and follow up what is this all about the great questions <laughs> yeah 
So Jennifer Sardini, uh, thank you for joining the Mike Delic podcast. So please, uh, you know, share your story with, with people. I've been following your stuff for a little while. Um, Evolve and Ascend is the website. You have uh, another project going on called Whitma, which is well-being in the modern age. Um, so yeah, maybe you could just uh, tell me like, how did you uh, how did you evolve and ascend? How did this all happen? <laughs> oh wow! Well, it's a combination of uh, psychedelic synchronicity and uh, a bunch of a bunch of things in between. So uh, let's see. I started evolve and ascend in the summer of 2013 after a series of really interesting events. Um, in 2012, I was working in pop culture, and around that time, I discovered the Mayan calendar and. You know, I was convinced that December 21st, 2012 was going to be the end of the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I was so, I was there, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was the time, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, around that time, um, I really went deep down the rabbit hole. Um, I started researching, you know, what what the apocalypse meant, the Mayan calendar, um, all of these things. And then a lot of different kind of you know, psychedelic pioneers came to the forefront. So that's when I discovered the work of Terrence McKenna and Alan Watts. So in, on December 21st, 2012, um, I, I took a hero's journey of psilocybin and it basically broke open my head and revealed to me my life path. Um, at the time too, you know, I was in a relationship. I thought I was going to get married. I thought that, you know, this was just what my life was supposed to be. And one of my favorite expressions is man plans and God laughs. Mm. So when I, when I had that experience, I was like, wow. Okay. So complete redirect. Pretty much everything started to shift from there. Um, I ended that relationship. I, uh, around that time, I also discovered the work of Daniel Pinchbeck and that summer of 2013, he had been he was hosting a retreat um, done in Costa Rica to to try plant medicine ayahuasca. Mm. Um, so it's like you know this this I need to try I need to experience because it, it felt really part of, of the journey. And um, you know I went down to Costa Rica with a hot pink suitcase, <laughs> 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 not knowing what I was getting in fish out of water <laughs> completely. Yeah. Um, but it was one of the most profound moments in my life and it really just set me on the path. So because I had this experience working in pop culture as a blogger, I, uh, you know, I had, I kind of had that under my belt. And when I came back from Costa Rica, I was like, you know, I really want to create a website that explores the content that I really care about, but there's nothing that really, <coughs> excuse me, that exists at the moment that really speaks to me aesthetically, but then speaks to me in like what I'm looking to find in the world. Right. So Mm. I not really knowing what I was doing. I was just like, I'm going to start this on Squarespace and see how it all manifests. And pretty much from that moment to, you know, flash forward now, it's been this like wild ride ever since. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's so crazy because I feel like you're describing like my story as well. And I feel like other people who I've heard, their stories of how they kind of started their thing or how they started to change their life or something like that. I remember 2012, you know, getting involved in that stuff. I didn't necessarily, I don't know if I thought it was going to be the end of the world, but I kind of was like, there's something's going to happen. And I feel like something did happen because everything for me started to change in 2012 too. And that's, you know, same kind of guys, McKenna, Pinchbeck, um, Watts, you know, I started getting into this stuff and, 
yeah, you, you, you don't see what you're looking for out there, then create it, right? <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's a good message. Exactly. Yeah, it seems like that time really was this like portal of initiation, right? There's this whole phenomenon. Totally. So, so many people in our space that, you know, whether it was just because of that content coming to the forefront, it, it opened up this kind of level of consciousness to look beyond the veil. But it really felt like there was this shift in energy that it's just from what's happened from then to now, even it's, it's wild. It's really been this crazy lifting of the veil and you can't help but look back and say, okay, I think there might've been something to this. Yeah. I kind of think like that too, because I don't, I don't think I really fully will have the capacity to understand nor does maybe anybody, but I kind of get like this sense of, all right, like this was a, 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 a kind of a turning point here where like all of a sudden certain kinds of nodes of consciousness are just going to like light up and you have a choice. Like you either want to kind of partake in the evolution, you know, or just ignore it or whatever, you know, that that's, that's the way that I, I kind of saw it happening. Maybe. Absolutely. I don't know. And we can't discount too around that time, just a lot of really strange things started happening. So I remember before, you know, I, I kind of went down the 2012 rabbit hole around like August of, of 2011 or no 2012 yeah it was august 2012 yeah wait before you continue i want to know what got you into that like what what sparked your interest because i always find this to be really interesting like what is it that brings certain things into certain people's lives that at a certain time you know it's like who why were you ready to like receive this uh, information at that time and what like led to that curiosity because some people i mean a lot of people just don't have that curiosity they're like 2012 what are you talking about mayans like what what sparked that interest for you time I was still kind of a closeted occultist. Um, I grew up mm. with my, my grandmother. She was really into the occult and she closeted was a- occultist. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in there, you occultist witch. <laughs> don't come out. Well, see, I, I don't really identify as a witch, but I've always been into the esoteric philosophies, secret teaching of all ages. And it, it stems from my grandma because she was really into Aleister Crowley and witchcraft oh, wow. and demonology and she was kind of this anarchist free thinker that cool. hated the Catholic church. And she literally like, I, it was way too young for her to be saying this kind of stuff to me, but I'm like <laughs> 10, 10 years old. And she's like, everybody, a pedophile, they're molesters, they're stealing money. I'm like, whoa, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, Sounds like me a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's crazy thinking back then. Cause this is like 1995, 96. So there's no internet. So she was just like coming to that conclusion from her own reading and research. Wow. Um, so she was, and but, uh, was she kind of like teaching this to you, um, sort of different kinds of practices or was she encouraging you to like read certain things or just talk to you about certain stuff? She, it was a combination of everything. So when I was really young, um, she taught me how to read Oracle cards. So we would sit at her kitchen table and I have this Oracle card deck that I don't know where it came from. Um, sadly, my grandmother passed when I was 13. So I, I never got to find the origins of it. We haven't been able to find out, you know, through all of my internet research where it came from, but it's what I learned from. So we'd sit at her kitchen table and she would put all the cards face down and have me flip them up one at a time and connect to how my intuition was with the card and ask me how it made me feel and what I'd see and, and what it felt like to me. So she was like really exposing me to like opening up my intuition at such a young age. But then we'd sit and, you know, 
have her copy of Crowley's Magic with all of her highlighted notes and she'd sit and talk to me about it. Um, art to her was really important. Mm. Um, she was really, really into kind of finding the like symbolism and artwork. So we also had, she had, um, you know, her own of Bosch's garden of earthly delights in the yeah. living room. Wow. So we'd sit and talk about it. And um, it, it was a lot of discussion. And um, when I was younger, my grandmother used to, we used to travel a lot together. And it was really important for her to have me write down everything. And um, when I was really young, I didn't really want to do it. So I actually have this like, journal from when I was like uh, in second grade going to Alaska. And <laughs> not really loving having to write it all down. But yeah. she just really impressed upon me the importance of, of writing and, and following, following your journey through life. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So she, she was really like your first kind of uh, teacher. Completely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wait, was- you, you just said something though that was kind of, that sparked my interest a little bit about the oracle cards. First of all, that's really cool. They're just like these mysterious oracle cards that you got from your grandmother and of unknown origin. So that's that's a really cool story. Um, but what about like looking at the cards? Because I'm not so familiar with this space. Um, you know, my girlfriend kind of dabbles in some stuff and. I kind of pay attention on the periphery, but uh, what you you would th- I think you just explained it kind of well, like laying the cards out and then kind of seeing how that uh, reacts or responds or how you respond to that. Is that right? Like, can you explain that kind of that card reading process uh, a little bit more? Completely. So um, I think it's important to preface by saying there's a big difference between oracle cards and tarot cards. Oh, okay. Um, The tarot cards explore the major and minor arcana, which are just archetypes and elements of the soul's journey into coming to understand the way of the world. So it basically has this system of 78 cards that show you all of the different elements and people you'll meet along your path. It's a very, very intense system, Um, but every card within the tarot deck is usually within the same major and minor, minor arcana. Oracle cards, they're kind of like the Rorschach test of the subconscious mind. And there can be an Oracle card deck on anything. I I collect them. So I have decks on, you know, connecting to your totem spirit or, um, you know, angels and and, uh, (laughs) ascended masters. It's basically like taking cards and it's like your study cards for the subconscious mind. But there's it's like a choose your own adventure game, really. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about how it resonates with you and how you're, what you're feeling in the moment of that card. Because I, I used to think of it in this kind of, th- this is, this is how my brain works. I get exposed to something new. I go, ah, oh, that's bullshit. And then I, and then I, I make fun of it and then something happens in my life. And then I go, oh wait, maybe there's something to this. And then I give it, I give it a second look. So my first reaction was when get when encountering my, I think my, my friend's mom, uh, he, my friend, he was this kind of guy that like, you know, when we were in high school and stuff, we'd go over his house and we could smoke weed there and do whatever his parents didn't care. And his mom was a clown. She, she worked as a clown. Oh, and wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was like, she'd go to McDonald's and like do clown parties and stuff. And we'd be like dropping acid in his room and she'd come home and be like, Hey guys. And we're all like, Jesus Christ. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm terrified. You know, like, I, I was terrified of clowns. Um, Mainly from the movie It, but but that she (laughs) she just she was like it you know she had tarot cards and stuff and she did like a reading and I don't know we all we always just kind of thought she was weird and like whatever so 
Yeah, but it, it it is it is very interesting because then we when you start to actually look at it without having any judgment and you know just being open to it, uh, it's it's pretty amazing the kind of things that can happen. You know, I just started to see some you know see some stuff going on in my life, and you know most most recently actually with me was a numerology type of thing. Uh, like I just, I started seeing eleven eleven everywhere and four four four, and I was like, okay, this is like. This is weird because I'm not the kind of person that's just going to like jump on and attach to this right away. But this is weird. This is happening. So it, it, it's just interesting how this develops because there's so many things, you know, with Evolve and Ascend and all the stuff that you do, it's, there's so much to learn about uh, all this stuff there. And, um, and, it's, and it's amazing, too, for someone like me who's like coming from the outside, like learning more. Oh, interesting, cool, new Oracle cards. Didn't know that they were different than, than tarot cards. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, how, how can, uh, like, I guess, you know, like, do, do you do readings for people or, or did you start to do readings for people? Did you do readings for yourself? Like, how did you start to kind of work your way into this? I know your grandmother was showing you, but did you go out on your own and start doing stuff? Yes. Yeah, so after she passed, um, the Oracle cards are kind of like my, uh, forever companion. So in elementary school, um, I went to, I went to elementary school in a very waspy area. So being an unbaptized free thinker was not really, uh, <laughs> didn't make me the most popular person in school, Yeah. but, um, where, where did you grow up? Fun. I grew up in Brielle. Uh, it's a little shore town um, in, in Jersey. Oh, okay. Uh, very much like uh, boat shoes and golfers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, the fact that I, I was able to read Oracle cards was always a novelty to people. So then in high school, you know, at, at parties, people would always be like, Jen, read Oracle cards. And it would like, it was always so funny because at these parties, people would line up and I'd be doing readings and everybody would like, be having their mind blown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was always just a part of me. And then, you know, flash forward after starting Evolve and Ascend, and this is even like, you know, su- summer of 2014, I actually did readings uh, publicly. Uh, I, I worked in a bookshop and I offered readings online, but I had this kind of epiphany um, after after that experience um, that I just, it didn't ever felt right for me to charge people to mm. do readings. I never did it when I was younger. I never did it in high school. And ultimately, I'm not telling anybody things that they don't already know. It's just seek, giving them confirmation. So for me, it's, it feels better to empower people to learn how to do it themselves because it's like the Wizard of Oz thing where it's like the power's within you. You don't want to give it away to the man behind the curtain. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I made a point that I would never charge anybody for a reading ever again after that summer. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of go over this stuff because there's so many common misconceptions or, you know, just uh, – judgments coming from the outside looking in just like, Oh, this is just a bunch of nonsense or witchcraft or whatever it is, you know, or take a Ouija board and talk to ghosts or something at a impress your friends at a party. I don't know, just people, the average person kind of coming in with that, with that viewpoint. But, but then again, when you, when you go into it, you realize there's something there. You know, I'm, I remember living in New York. I lived in New York city for like eight years before I moved, uh, moved out. And, um, I remember just seeing like all these psychic shops. Like I lived down in the village, so many psychic reading shops and you know, it's like, all right, yeah, give me 20 bucks and I'll tell you about your future. And it's just, it just, it kind of like 
maybe when when people are I guess the point that I'm trying to get at here is that when there's people out there that are involved in this stuff, there's always kind of like the charlatans or the fakes or the scammers, but then there's the real aspect of it, you know, which is what you're talking about, like the the kind of coming it from from it uh, from like a genuine, authentic place. And I think that's great, not charging people for it. I mean, that's that's amazing because things can get kind of tricky when you're like, you know, entering the world of of commerce and spirituality or you know, whatever we want to call it, you know, it's like, all right, I'll be your guru for, you know, $6,000 a month and I'll tell you what to eat and, you know, look to the West and stand on your tippy toes and say Sanskrit mantras or whatever it is, you know, it's just people have their ways of doing things. So how does like, how do you see, cause I, I see this from looking out from the outside, I see evolve and ascend and what you're doing kind of cutting through that and offering something unique and different uh that speaks above the the noise that's out there how how do you see that like whole landscape well thank you for saying that um, sure yeah i mean that that's a big intention that i have it's like i always feel like i'm kind of like the punk kid within the space because i'm not a life coach i don't identify as a witch um i'm not charging for my services i really want to have this space that offers breadcrumbs and empowers people to find the tools and wisdom they need to to self actualize without having to pay for a click funnel or, you know, <laughs> a $6,000 program. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, to me, it's so important to, to offer that and to make it digestible. You know, a lot of esoteric uh, philosophy is kind of hard to process, but right. what I've lear- learned along the path is if you can, if you actually understand it, you can, uh, articulate it in a way that anybody can relate to, whether you're somebody new on the path or you're a 50-year-old Republican. So everything that I do, I want to make it relatable and kind of allow people to have those aha moments and move forward from there. Yeah. What what do you think is the most like core fundamental message of of your work and what you do with Evolve and Ascend? I mean, I think you kind of just said it right there. But uh in terms of, you know, what what you're the kinds of things that you're talking about um, sharing the, the stories. Um, like I was just, I was just reading one about, uh, death, life and death, um, on the website, which was really, really interesting and, um, really, uh, really powerful. And, um, yeah, so, you know, cause you have here, you have consciousness, culture, and theogens, the occult, what, which, what thing I guess speaks to you the most? Um, I mean, you could say all of them, I guess, and then kind of give a little take on on why uh or you know also just like what uh what, what's like the sort of yeah i guess let's just start there like what what speaks to you the most and and what kind of like drives you with this project i love the idea of uh the notion of cosmic consciousness right mm. where it's like there's there's one truth many songs every culture philosophy great wisdom tradition has been scratching the surface of this truth and they just articulate in a way that's um you know, and aligned with their culture and time. So, you know, I, I really like the idea of being able to present a holistic worldview where no matter which avenue you take to understand reality, it's like the ladder, the stairs, the elevator, the escalator, doesn't really matter. You're going up. And to me, what up looks like is to be able to view the world with love and dissolving the illusion of separateness and, you know, putting yourself above somebody else or putting somebody else down or you know, we're in this space now, which is really interesting, where it's like identity politics reigns supreme. And it's like, I am this and I am that. And it's this divide and conquer mentality. 
Mm. And even within the conscious media space, it's just very weird and, and, you know, it doesn't really jive with me very well. But it's like, ultimately, you are not these labels and these things that you ascribe to. You're just a point of light within a greater light. And all of these tools that are available can show you that it's just whatever path gets you there fastest or resonates most with you. Yeah, whatever whatever speaks to you. I mean, it's so important too because I, like the stuff that you're creating, it's you know, it, it people can create stuff and they can put it out there. You know, you could have like the most profound article that you could find somewhere hidden on some website that looks like it was built in, you know, 1992 and it's like, "Whoa, like this is this is amazing, but it's super dense. Maybe it's it's not accessible." But then you have something that's really aesthetically pleasing, you know, communicates in ancient symbology and it kind of resonates on a different level. I know you're you're big into design, right? Like I think that that's that's pretty important too, like curating or cultivating this kind of whole look of something, the whole look and feel of something and I got I'm curious to know what what uh, I'd like for you to comment on that, but also just the evolve and ascend logo. I love it. Like I, I remember when I first saw it, and I was just like, "Oh, that's what I should have done," because <laughs> I because I like really for me, and I think I think for you too. Like uh, you know, we could talk more about this, but like Egypt and like pyramids, and just I have this connection there, and it's just it's been there. So this kind of notion, and also it had to do with. Robert Anton Wilson and the sort of like Illuminati or all seeing eye type thing. And so I was like, cool, I'm going to make this triangle and I'm going to put it in there and it's going to take the place of the A. And it's like, I feel like that'll, that'll be nice. And then I saw yours and I'm like, oh, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank can, you. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit about the symbol and then, and then just kind of like the whole like vibe and aesthetics of, of what you're doing? Cause I think that's, I think that's a, a very important part of communicating a message. Yeah. Um, so it's funny enough. So when I decided to start Evolve and Ascend, um, I, I was, really wasn't sure how to create a logo. And then by random chance, I wound up meeting uh, this designer at a party in Brooklyn through um, my best, one of my best friends. And I hired him for the design. And I was like, listen, I wanted to have this feel. At that time, I was really into Shepard Fairey and the Obey stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God, like they live. And this is what. Oh, my God, I'm wearing that shirt right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, wear I'm wearing the Obey shirt. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but I explained to him what I wanted. And to me, I wanted to transmute that symbol that's so triggering, you know, the all seeing eye on the back of the right. bill, which is like this, this nefarious thing to so yeah. many people. But for me, I wanted it to feel like, no, 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 no. When you get to the top, you can see everything. And that's why I have the infinity symbol in the middle. It's like, you can see how everything connects and that light and dark are one and the same. And then the ohm and like sacred sounds, so it's just, I wanted the symbol to represent cosmic consciousness and coming to see and connect every angle of reality. So my designer was able to execute it really well. And um, I'm very, very grateful for him for seeing that vision to fruition. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And it definitely does that. I think, you know, with good design, with good symbols, like it just evokes a feeling or it resonates with you maybe at a deeper level that you're not aware of, you know? Totally. And it's funny because I get so many messages on Facebook and Instagram saying like, you're Illuminati, this is satanic. <laughs> and I'm like, do you, I don't, you like, do you remember the movie, The Princess Bride, where yeah. there's like, he's like, you keep using that word, but I don't think you know what that means. <laughs> 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 it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in the Illuminati, sure. Um, right. 
but no, it, it's kind of funny because when I break it down, it's always nice to kind of trans transform that conversation and have the person leave being like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I like that, like turning it on its head thing too. I think, you know, that's why I did the, the triangle with the eye in it as well was like kind of taking that, taking that symbol and just making it something, you know, like, I mean, a, a very famous example of this is like Hitler taking the Nazi symbol from uh, actually I don't even know, but it's like an ancient Indian symbol for peace and love, right? Do you know about this? Yeah. So yeah. funny enough, because um, I spent the summer in Nepal, Tibet, and Bhutan, and the swastika is sacred to them. So when I was in Tibet, actually, I circled this mountain called Mount Kailash, which is this very holy pilgrimage for Buddhists and Hindu and members of the bone faith. And one of the first like checkpoints I had was this tent and I'm sitting drinking butter tea with these Tibetans and I look up and there's a gigantic swastika and it, to them, there's no evilness. It's supposed to be this auspicious, like the, the connection of all the elements. It's, it's like the most sacred symbol possible. But you know, some theorize that Hitler actually read this book called The Secret Doctrine, which was written by H. P. Blavatsky, who's basically the matriarch of the New right. Age movement. Um, and that was basically, it was very controversial because she talked about like root races and the Aryan races. And um, I think he took that a little too extreme. Some say that maybe that's just a rumor, but when you, if you actually read The Secret Doctrine, it's kind of like you put two and two together and like, oh, maybe he was loosely influenced by it, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that like, you know, this is, this is really interesting to me. I read this, I read this cool graphic novel by Douglas Rushkoff and someone else about, it was called Alistair and Adolf. And, um, it talks about how it was basically like a, a graphic novel about, um, this guy who works at a, I think advertising agency or something coming up with like slogans and logos. And then he's talking to this, his boss, I think, who's dying. And he tells him this story about being involved in like World War II and, and how the, they were trying to come up with like a symbol or a sigil to like win the war with like, you know, to like create something. And they came up with the V for victory for the British to combat Hitler's thing. And then it takes you back to the, you know, spoiler alert, takes you to the modern day and it shows like all of the symbols that we have by our corporations and you know the the logos and how they're like imbued with this this power and stuff um i mean just like your knowledge of of the occult and and these sorts of things like the power of symbols and language and design and all that stuff could be used for like really nefarious and dark purposes but they could also be used for like really rejuvenative, healing, inspiring, light shining practices too. Am I, am I right about that? Oh, completely. You know, it's, it's that Spider-Man quote with great power comes great responsibility mm. and symbols are, I mean, the subconscious mind relates to symbols. It's the language of dreams. It's what's imprints consciousness with ideas and sigil magic, you know, referencing comic books, you know, do you know, Grant Morrison? Yeah. 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 I mean, he speaks of it often and I actually practice sigil magic in my, in my own kind of, monthly routine and it there it's very potent because that's how the mind responds you're basically like programming yourself with an idea and then if you think about that on a larger scale or even just like the subliminal messages in advertising there's something really powerful there but mm -hmm. if you know it and can identify it and then you can use it for good i mean that's that's the thing it's being able to see and then go forward from there 
Yeah, totally. I and you know, like you you mentioned you were writing for a pop culture blog, I think you said blog. Um uh and I was also I was working uh in social media marketing and like I had a similar kind of feeling. I was like, Jesus Christ, like we're like I'm I'm cop I'm copywriting and I'm doing stuff that and I'm just kind of like tapping into this like power to persuade and manipulate people to buy things that they probably don't even really need and that I don't even really believe in. It's like, what am I doing? You know? And uh, I see, I just, I don't know. I see that kind of on autopilot, you know, in our society, just basically, I guess the way that, that everything is set up, it kind of makes it easy for people to just jump on that path. But, but then to kind of turn it in a different direction, you know, um, that could be, that could be very powerful too. And then you start creating, you know, the, the kinds of content that is fulfilling for your soul and for other people's. And that, mm-hmm. that, that has a lot of power too. What, what's been sort of like the, uh, a few of the most powerful, um, I guess, experiences or moments that you've had since creating Evolve and Ascend for you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's been a real trip. So uh, some of the stuff is just stranger than fiction. But I guess I'll go in a linear fashion for it. One, there, there was a profound moment. Um, it was the summer of 2014, which is like just a really weird time because that's when you know I was reading oracle cards, and then uh, my ex at the time was on tour with the Budos band, and just a lot of like really weird things started to happen. And I remember having my first ever uh, talk. At uh, well, it was actually my second talk. Never mind. Um, my second talk was at this festival in Brooklyn called um, Gratitude, and it was very surreal because Daniel Pinchbeck was somebody that kind of like opened up this path to me, and I got booked to speak at this thing, and I actually wound up speaking after Daniel and this man named Jim Clark, who was the chairman of the World Technology Network. After Jim spoke, uh, he came up to me. He's like, "I just have to." there's, you just, there's, I need to speak to you and I need to invite you to this. And, um, it's very important that you come. So right after that, he invited me to this thing called the world technology network, which was like so strange because I got this invite to this thing and I'm the only person that's like me there. Mm. You know, everybody else is in tech and finance. And I remember sitting and, uh, John Perry Barlow, uh, he's unfortunately Mm. he's passed, but I got to see him speak during a live telecast with Edward Snowden. Oh, wow. And that moment to me was so profound because just the things that Edward Snowden was saying then and just, you know, kind of where we're at now, to be able to sit and witness it. And um, it it really kind of did something to me on a deep level. Um, Mm. John Perry Barlow was saying how, you know, to make a goal in life to be a great ancestor. And that really stuck with me. And uh, one of Edward Snowden's key points was saying that the greatest tragedy is revelation met with apathy. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't that um, the truth? Yeah. And I mean, it's like where we're at now, it seems like a lot of people kind of have this like apocalypse fatigue. <laughs> so a lot of people <laughs> are very angry. A lot of people are kind of over it. But um, from 2014 to now, that was a big, a big thing. Wow. Um, and then I'd say, the second to that was receiving the Tao. So um, 
it was funny. So my ex one morning says to me, he's like, did you want to go to a Dow ceremony? And I misheard him. And I thought he said dowsing. So I thought that we were going to go look, <laughs> look for water with rods. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, fuck it. This sounds great. Why not? <laughs> so we actually wound up going to a temple in Queens. And it was this 10 hour ceremony that was only in Chinese. And I had to wear headphones the English interpretation. And I never really knew anything about the Tao. I wasn't really, I, I wasn't that aware of it. That was not a philosophy that I ever explored that much. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of like sort of aware. I mean, like, can you explain it a little bit more the Tao? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of this, like, it's, it kind of relates to the notion of cosmic consciousness, but it's like everything is and isn't all at once. It's the cosmic balance of life. And, and death, uh, everything is kind of like posited in this riddle, right? So like Lao Tzu, his his uh, koans and things that he'd speak of were very much like these puzzles for you to figure out. So um, actually a friend of mine, uh, he was a 33rd degree Freemason and he told me one of the best pieces of advice he was given was very like Tao, Zen, uh, to teach not talking. Mm. So there's a lot of that where you're supposed to meant to figure it out. Um, but it was wild because at the end of the ceremony, you know, your name is burned in the book of life. And then you're given the three treasures, which are these secrets that you're not allowed to tell anybody in the secret magic word and mudra. Um, but then they also reveal something that kind of blew my mind and stuck with me to this day because it was this feeling I had always had. So they talk about Christ being crucified on Skull Mountain between two thieves. And he says, when you think the person that said to me, it's like, when you, look beyond the words at the higher meaning is that don't let your eyes deceive you of the truth. So when you look, think of the symbolism of that Christ being crucified on a mountain in between two thieves, it's like the third eye and the, the things that we, you know, deceive ourselves with our vision when our true vision is within the unity in between it all. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> the mind blower right there. Yeah. Um, God. And then, I mean, the, so, um, almost two years ago now too, which is so wild, um, right around the time I started the Oracle card deck that I have coming out in May, um, through random synchronicity, I was actually gifted a trip to Egypt by Nassim Harriman. Mm. And, uh, one of the nights that we were there, I got to spend the night in the great pyramid so we had an hour, about an hour in each of them. And uh, that was one of the most profound moments in my life. It happened under the night of the full moon in Libra. And I got to lay in the, the king's chamber. And uh, anybody that thinks the pyramids were like tombs, like out of their fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a portal of initiation, man. Wow. I mean, just comparable to a psychedelic trip being in that space wow yeah wow yeah i mean so i have well, i mean i've watched so i was gonna say i've read but I, I haven't read a lot of i've watched a lot of like graham hancock and um uh john anthony west and uh, you know a couple of these other guys like uh robert shock talk about the the pyramids and um what you know what they think was going on there so what from my understanding it was like they i think they think that it was really kind of like this conduit for for energy 
Um, what do you know anything about that or? Oh yeah, I, I absolutely, especially walking into it. So, you know, having the pop culture background and being a cinephile and loving movies and trying to find references that make things relatable. Like Stargate. Seen, <laughs> yeah. Like Stargate meets, have you seen Arrival? Yes. Okay. So, you know, the scene in Arrival where they go into the spaceship and gravity shifts. Mm-hmm. It felt like that walking into the King's Chamber. Wow. And then as you're walking up and in, the way that the the geometry is inside of the pyramid and the way that sound travels through there, you cannot help but have this like realization that the Egyptians knew of the technology within sound because as you chant the way that sound carries through the room, it reverberates through every single one of your cells to the point that you just feel like you're having an out-of-body experience. Wow. Yeah, I, I was. I, I saw that they were they were talking about how it's really about the design, and a lot of people think like, oh, well, they were just primitive and they just put these rocks together or something. And you know, if they were really advanced, they would have used steel and glass or something like that. Or, yeah, I mean, that probably wouldn't have lasted throughout the ages. So, but there's also something about like rock being alive and having this life to it and this resonance to it and this energy to it and how they constructed everything and the importance of sound and light and all that stuff. So, wow, you got to, you got to experience that. Huh? I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little terrified to go to Egypt, to be honest, because I've had, uh, I've had way too many, well, I had this very profound ayahuasca ceremony where I was basically like ripped back into ancient Egypt and it was, it was, it like shook me to my core. Um, and so many like synchronicities and weird things happened around this, um, thing. So, I mean, I guess, do you want to hear about it? Yeah, yeah, please. (laughs) All right, cool. (laughs) So, so, uh, so I was working at this ayahuasca center called the Temple of the Way of Light in Peru. And, um, last year spent about four months there. And I mean, you know, just, I've had so many ayahuasca ceremonies and they're all amazing and you know, some, I mean, sometimes you're just shitting and puking, but some, some, but (laughs) even still there's great things that come out of that too. Um, but this one particular ceremony was very different than a lot of the other ones that I've had. And I've had some really profound, very peak experience type ceremonies, but this one, I, I felt like I was really kind of like ripped back through time. Like I had felt this kind of like weird holographic reverberation of like my body and kind of saw myself like leave my body and like get like dragged through the floor back to this time period in Egypt. And, and, uh, and, um, I, you know, it was kind of almost dreamlike, but lucid. But it was one of those things where, you know, when you have like a dream or you maybe encounter something in life and it's, you get this kind of communication or the sense of knowing or this information download, it's not necessarily playing out in like linear time fashion. You know what I mean? Oh, completely. So it was like, I was back in Egypt and I got the sense that like I was some kind of slave that had like risen to the ranks of the elites and I was working with them and they were like these wizards that were doing dark magic on people. And I was like, I had a wife and like kids and I was working with them. And I think like my, you know, I think my, yeah, my mom was there or something like that, but I was working with these kind of like elite wizards of ancient Egypt. And they had this, 
like I, I, I was like, Oh, I got to like tell the people like what's going on. And, uh, and they, like, I discovered this like weird black, like floating goo that was like in this chamber. And they were like, uh, it, it came, it came to me that this was like some kind of reality creation goo. It was like this floating metallic black orb. And, uh, that was like the source of their power and what they were doing, or it was an integral part of it. And so I was trying to like tell the people, but then they turned it on me. Like I was the bad one. And then, so basically what happened was I was like marched out into the public square and executed in front of like all the people of, of Egypt. They were like, they turned on me. They were throwing tomatoes at me. They were like booing me, like people that I knew and loved. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is crazy. Like this was, this was them. This wasn't me. And then I was like, there was like advanced technology. I was like hooked up to some kind of machine that was like ripping my guts out for hours and while keeping me alive at the same time. And then they kind of like find like at the final end of it, they like cast some kind of spell upon me, like to never return again or something like that. And, uh, and it was, yeah, they were like these very tall, skinny beings that were like shooting energy out of their hands while I was being executed and in the public square, or maybe they were doing that in private after the public execution. But anyway, so I, I have this experience. It's super real. I come out of it. And the next day, like I'm telling people about it. Someone gives me this book, the flower of life. I'm looking at it. All of a sudden I see these words like ka, sha, ha, ra, turns out to be Sanskrit. Well, there was another ceremony that I had just spontaneously started speaking Sanskrit. Then I remember my parents, they came to visit me in New York. We went to the Met and we were standing next to one of the pyramids, the, one of the artifacts they have there. And my mom's maiden name is written in the pyramid wall, like in the brick, in the stone. Then after the ceremony happened, I go back to Iquitos, to the town. I call my parents, talking to them. Hey, how's it going? What's up? What's going on? Oh, we did one of those DNA tests, uh, by the way, and we found out like our lineage, like ancestry or whatever, part Egyptian, like Northern African, Mediterranean Egyptian. Like that was what they had revealed to me and Jewish. They said partially Jewish too. And I remember like something about being like a Jewish slave or something like that in that ayahuasca experience. Then I remember like a couple of years ago, I just drew, like I, I was, I just drew this painting. I had no idea. I just drew it. And it was like a pyramid with an eye and like this kind of like weird dog headed figure, like an Anubis, uh, Anubis uh, kind of thing. I'm like, oh, that was weird. Why, why did I draw that? And all this like secret language stuff. So <laughs> I think there may be some more things, but anyway, it's a long story, but it's basically just, it really like hit me profoundly and, uh, I don't know what the hell to make of it still, but it, it has definitely made me think a lot about some kind of something happening. <laughs> oh my God. So can I, can I kind of blow your mind for a minute? Sure, please. <laughs> so there is a conspiracy that, um, the black stone in Mecca, the Kaaba stone, is actually from this substance. It's like there's this whole black goo conspiracy. Really? You're like, yes. Whoa. I've spent I've spent hours going down this rabbit hole. And there's this idea that there is this black goo that's a programmable substance that is why, you know, we were in Iran and Iraq and it's basically this like 
kind of malevolent thing that can control people and Holy can be shit. used for black magic. No yes. way. Yes way. So oh my you, god. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh what am I supposed yeah. to do, Jennifer? Like what am I supposed <laughs> to do now? How am I supposed I, to live with this information? Awareness, not be awareness, you know. Yeah. Um but it's funny cuz like you're telling me this and I kind of just had like a whole I could see where you were and you know do you remember the story of like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Basically, do you remember vaguely, this? Yeah, vaguely. Vaguely. So basically, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he rose up from slavery to become the vizier, the chief vizier for the Egyptians because of his ability to interpret dreams. Wow. And there's like this whole esoteric thing behind it. So I'm wondering if you're like dialed into that life somehow or like got to take a peek into that timeline because there's a lot of really interesting synchronicity and uh, uh, <laughs> conspiracy behind some of that vision that you had. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it really blew my mind because, and I mean, you just blew my mind just now because it's like, you know, cause there's, I guess I have this skeptical part of me too. It's always just kind of like, well, maybe it was just a way of putting things into pictures so I can understand them about what's going on in my life now. Or what does this mean? How do I apply this? How do I fucking integrate this? Like, what is it? What is this? Um, and then there's this other part of me that's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like some kind of reincarnation of some like thing and uh i have like a another mission that i need to like play out in this life like i there's so many different ways that i think that you that one could in, interpret it what i don't know what i mean like what, what do you think you think i i'm i'm joseph like <laughs> <laughs> well i think that you know whatever whatever it may be try and extract the most useful thing of it and what's the overarching message it's like coming into your power and being able to use it without uh, falling to the the hands of the elite that want to destroy you, right? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. That, that's um, that's kind of what I did extract out of it, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, whether, whether that was a, a timeline of yours or just a timeline that you sliced into, whatever it is, I think that there's some usefulness to kind of look at that, what that represents and see how you can kind of ground it into this life. Because, I mean, we're in this space now where the world needs more storytellers and people that can speak the, a, a certain language where it makes things relatable. And mm. um, using, using your voice and uh, the sacredness of sound to transmit ideas is a pretty, pretty profound path to take. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, rip through a timeline or something. What 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 are your thoughts on that? Like, tell me about time. <laughs> yeah, God. I mean, How do you like I, these I, questions? I, by the way, yeah. So so so, so what do you think about time? What do you think about reality? <laughs> what's what's your it. answer to consciousness? Go. I I live for these conversations. Awesome. Me too. <laughs> so okay. So around again, like 2014 was just like very weird time. So I had this moment when I was working in that bookshop where, you know, every, every time that we had lunch, we had lunch on this Ouija board that, uh, the woman that owned the shop, she was a collector of paranormal memorabilia. Mm. And like our lunch table was basically this big Ouija board. Right. So one day in between readings, I was like, ah, you know what? I, I know my energy and I know myself. I'm going to give this thing a whirl and see. And <laughs> 
I don't know what portal I opened or what, but my colleague and I started using it and all this stuff started coming through that like blew my fucking mind. And I was like, oh my God, I need to go home and settle with this. And basically it opened up this whole thing where I had a good solid six months of my life where I was channeling after that Ouija board situation happened. Wow. So when it happened, I started getting... <laughs> It just blows my mind thinking about it now, too, because I, I eventually wound up closing the door on it because it just felt like it was too much time in the astral realm. But, Mike, I was getting stuff in Aramaic and I was getting things in Turkish. Um, I was getting words that I had never heard before in my entire life. And my ex had acted as my scribe. So I would get all these words. We write them down and look it up and be like, what the fuck? Wow. <laughs> what does this mean? Like, what were some of them? If you can remember, do you? Yes. Yeah, so share, yeah. basically, uh, we got this word that I got this word that came through over and over and again. It was T E E T E, T E E T E, T E E T E. And I was like, what is this? T E T T T. And I looked it up, and what it meant was the Our Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. And I was told, I got this whole download about how that it's a, a prayer that's been subverted. And used as a method of control and people are confused of what it really means, but really it's an invocation of protection and like a prayer of the cosmos. And it's this very sacred esoteric thing that it's like a way to protect yourself. And I had never heard of that before. I've like, you know, growing up with a grandmother that was like, fuck the Catholic church. I never even had any like connection to Jesus at all or any of these things, but it opened this whole portal to like esoteric Christianity and Gnosticism and whatever else. And I mm. keep getting these bread from what I channel. And um, I got this whole download about Jesus having a daughter. And I mean, not to get like super trippy, but like there's this whole thing that there's actually, I came to found, find after, you know, this whole weird experience that some believe that Jesus actually had a daughter named Sarah. And there's this whole idea that Sarah like was like this other patron saint whatever i long crazy trippy story yeah but basically um having been in it i started getting so confused i'm like what does all this mean why am i getting this like do i did i have some past life connected to this what is going on am i like slicing into time what is going on so for me ultimately after you know i eventually like i said i closed the door on it because you know i, I literally have like notebooks of the channelings that i still I'm not ready to go back to, mm -hmm. but I, I've come to kind of believe that we're living in this space where it's like, everything is like a Russian nesting doll where these time, time is layered, layered in ways like where it's like, you know, you know, the Matryoshka dolls where like you open yeah. them up and then you open up another and you open up another. And it's confusing because we're only aware of what we're in and what our consciousness is in at the current moment but everything is happening all at once. And time is this illusion that is so hard for the brain to kind of like compute infinity. But I think that, um, you know, there are all of these layers simultaneously happening on top of one another. And when, whether we're using a system of divination, like a Ouija board, or even like playing with Oracle and tarot cards, or having a psychedelic experience, we're ripping into different potential timelines or seeing potential timelines and like just being able to have a, a kind of greater view of the layers of reality. 
Mm. I mean, I know this might probably sounds nuts to say, but no, it's I I <laughs> I resonate with that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and you know, for those willing to keep seeking and to keep opening those doors, I think then you just keep going deeper down, right? Like more stuff keeps popping up and sometimes it can be a little overwhelming, but uh, like you said before, with Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So it's like maybe it's whatever is like opening up for people. It's like, okay, like we'll open this up for you, but you got to you got to kind of like help us out too here, kind of take this into the 3D manifested world. Um, and there's a reason why they say that rabbis that used to read, that read the Torah sometimes go mad or go blind. Like, or if you see that movie pie, how he goes, goes so nuts over it. Like, I actually never saw that movie. I should. Though. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's really good. That's Is Darren that- Aronofsky's first movie, right? Pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you can drive yourself nuts with with all of these things, and like even what Terrence McKenna said, don't give into the astonishment, mm-hmm. um, but just take a peek and see, and um, you know, don't let it get you too crazy because it's all happening. <laughs> it's all happening, yeah, for sure. It is. I I definitely believe in in that. I mean, that that seems to be accurate in terms of how I experience the world. Um, you said you mentioned you're a cinephile. I guess. Uh, you know, like I, I, I definitely would consider myself one too. Do you think that there's, I mean, I, I, I like, I'm also a huge fan of Joseph Campbell and mythology. And I just really like the making sense of things in metaphor, uh, telling stories, interesting, uh, characters and archetypes that we can relate to and those sorts of things. Uh, and I see there's like, it's, it's really interesting to me to see like the popularity of like what what's popular right now and what's kind of like resonating with people and how it's being communicated with like the Marvel movies or Stranger Things or whatever, you know, else I guess is out there. Um No way. I, I haven't seen that. Is that is oh, that good? I, so good. I that that show I think I relate to more than anything I've ever related to in my entire life. Oh wow, okay. Cool. I yeah. gotta check that out. Um yeah, I was just I was just about to ask you, like what what do you think? It doesn't have to be something current, but um, what's like, so what are some movies that kind of like resonate for you in terms of, I guess, getting a good, um, picture on like what is going on in the world and how the world works or, you know, how, I guess in, in the similar theme of like what we're talking about here in terms of energy and time and reality and these sorts of things, is, are there certain kinds of movies that come up for you that are like, oh, this one, this one nails it for you know that this one gets it yeah absolutely um so I think there's different categories right so um as far as documentaries that kind of help you see behind the veil i love adam curtis um he oh, yeah. has a documentary called Hypernormalization that's really great but then there's also a series called the century of the self mm-hmm. which is a really great thing to watch oh one of my like, favorites yeah so good but insofar as movies that help you kind of see the meta metaphor I really think that Jim Henson was way ahead of his time. Um, to me, he's one of my most beloved creators, and I hold him very close to my heart. Um, he, the Dark Crystal, for me, is like the greatest metaphor of reality and like the time that we're in right now. Do you ever see it? Oh wow! No, I have a couple homework assignments now for the show. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good! It's basically like it's the dawn of the end of time, and you have the 
the mystics, which are the peaceful warriors. And then you have the Skeksis, which are basically like the reptilian bird overlords. But, you know, you have these diametrically opposed opposites, but they're not opposite. They're actually connected. So as one is harmed, the other's harmed. There's no separation. Wow. Um, it's super trippy. I'm not, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a great way of seeing non-duality at the end of time. Right. Um, but he also had this film called The Cube which not a lot of people know about. It's super experimental. And it's basically this man wakes up inside of this cube and um, he can't escape. And all these different characters pop in and out. And, you know, he doesn't know how to ask the right questions. So he's stuck within this container. And it's a really great metaphor for reality as well. Um, And then one of my other favorites. So I actually have the Southern Oracle from the Never Ending Story tattooed on me because Um, The never-ending story is basically like, so theosophy is basically what um, H.P. Blavatsky and Alice A. Bailey and a lot of these great esoteric thought leaders um, kind of fit within this container of reality and the idea is that there's no religion higher than truth. Mm. And then from that, there's a branch off called anthroposophy, which Rudolf Steiner was kind of the founder of and behind. And Rudolf Steiner, uh, for those who don't know, he helped form the Waldorf education. And he was very big about like the imagination and imaginal realms. And that imagination is something that should be nourished from childhood. Mm-hmm. And we should be taught to, to nurture that gift, right? So the never ending story is basically anthroposophy for beginners because it's this whole journey of like, you know, you're the reader, you're the writer. You have yourself and then you have your higher self. And it's just... Um, everything happening right (laughs) so the the classic scene where you know this one character atreyu is at this gate uh, of the southern oracle which i said i had the tattoo of and you know you can only pass through if you are pure of heart and confident without being conceited and it's just such a beautiful like super trippy and like nostalgic film but with an esoteric lens there's a lot of potent lessons that's so awesome. I gotta, I gotta watch these films. I think maybe growing up, like I saw that and, and I was just like, oh, it's like a cartoon for kids or something, or I don't know. It, it sometimes it, it, it slipped, it slipped by me. I actually didn't see the princess bride until like last year. Like there's, there's certain movies, like I've seen tons and tons of movies, but there's certain movies that like, I'm like afraid to tell people like, no, I actually haven't seen that. They're like, what's wrong with you? You got to see, are you crazy? But, uh, (laughs) like I have a, like memento I've, it's been on my queue for like years. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch it one day. Um, I haven't seen that one either. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, Christopher Nolan's like one of Christopher Nolan's first movies. Um, everyone says it's really great. So it's just, there's a couple of those movies, but I got the list. I wrote it down, put it in the show notes, movies to watch. (laughs) <laughs> you brought yeah, up I mean, yeah oh, sorry. go ahead i mean i love movies when i one of the things i haven't done it as much lately because it's a little time consuming but i used to do esoteric film analysis all the time on evolve and ascend so you know there's so many hidden gems in films and if you look at it with kind of a detective's eye you can find the symbolism within it oh yeah so, so um there's i i love doing that just being able to point out the symbolism within within the films that are in the mainstream yeah, I had um a 33 33rd degree Freemason Robert Sullivan uh on the show and he wrote a book called Esoteric Oh what shit, I forgot the name of his book, but it's like decoding esoteric symbols in movies. 
Okay. Sorry, Robert. I forgot. I butchered that the book, but um, yeah, it was really cool. Like we we talked about Matri- the Matrix, Blade Runner, Harry Potter, Star Wars. Um, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, but I was gonna say you you brought up some some interesting stuff about like you know these messages in the movies, and you know you can only move through if you're pure of heart and you know confident, but not arrogant or whatever. How how do you like manage these these human emotions that we all experience, you know, you, you get upset or you react in a certain way, or you say, you know, I, I try to keep a practice, you know, where I'm like, try, I just meditated today for the first time in like over two weeks. So I like, I say that I meditate, but really I, I kind of fall off the wagon and then get back on. And it's kind of this journey for me that I have to keep trying to keep remembering to do the things that I know are beneficial for me. Do you have any kind of tips, tricks, or things that you do to, to stay on the path? Totally. So it's really important to call yourself on your shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so taking inventory through self-inquiry is really important because we're all human, right? Like I, I'm not a nun. You're not a monk. We're, we're trying our best to navigate this modern world that we're in and do what we can through the challenges that we're presented with. So, you know, when I fuck up or when I, you know, kind of fall off the path, I understand that, you know, the, there, there's this quote that my, my friend, the 33rd degree Freemason, he, he said that the fastest way to win an argument is to admit that you're wrong. So when things go wrong, I try my best to look at like, how could I have handled that differently? What is it that I have to learn? And how can I move forward from this? And how can I also forgive the situation? How can I forgive myself for reacting in an unfavorable way? And I, how can I forgive the, the greater picture? So practicing self-inquiry and forgiveness is like really helped me maintain sanity throughout the journey. Yeah, yeah, maintain sanity is so important. How do you how do you forgive? Like, how do you forgive yourself? Like, what are the what does that look like? I mean, because I think that that for me and you know maybe other people can resonate with this too is that I I'm pretty hard on myself. Like, I want things to be perfect. You know, if it's not perfect, I I I kind of like just really. Or maybe, you know, if I, I recorded a live podcast a couple episodes ago and like a couple weeks ago and I like said something and I was like, ah, shit. And I was just thinking about that. I'm like, ah, damn it. It's, it's, I can get there, but it just, it takes me a little bit longer sometimes to forgive myself for things because I, I expect so much out of myself, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very similar. Um, but it's just, you got to just not harp on it so much. So it's like last night, actually, I watched this really great documentary called the Kala Chakra, which mm. is a, a, an initiation that the Dalai Lama gives. And there's a beautiful scene where all the different monks are making a mandala. And you know, like a mandala is made for it to only be destroyed afterwards. Right. Yeah. They make it out of sand, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful practice is so hyper detailed. It takes like forever for them to make only for it to be washed away. So if we look at moments as our mandala, to not fixate on on what it was and to wipe it away and create something new. Yeah, like mandala making was like the original Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> live in the got to live in the moment, people. Yes. <laughs> I think I mean like that. And one of the the biggest things for me, I mean that's great. And one of the biggest things for me has been 
uh, I was in this Colombian shaman ceremony with uh, Mumbe and, and Rape uh, when I was in Peru. And one of the guys said something. It just seemed so simple, so simple, so easy. But it really resonated with me and stuck with me. And it was like, he basically was just saying, look, like we always forget. So we have to remind ourselves, but we also need other people to remind us. And we have to be willing to accept those reminders. And then we also have to remind others too, because it's just a constant remembering and forgetting. Completely. It's, um, we, we have uh, amnesia from the amniotic space <laughs> moving <laughs> forward. Yeah. But yeah, um, remembering is really important because it's so easy to forget. That's a, that's a beautiful piece of advice he offered. I love that. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, it just seemed like so simple, but it just clicked and it stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, maybe it was the way that he said it too. It was like a really nice, calm, peaceful time in the ceremony and he took his time with it, but it was really, it was like, yeah, I have to kind of be a little bit easier on myself because I know that I'll forget. So I have to, uh, you know, remember as well. Um, what about, what about like for you? I mean, what about navigating relationships. I mean, how does, cause, cause that could be a, that's all adds a whole nother dimension to, you know, w- walking on, on a path, you know, that you're on where your, your, your mission, your goal, if I, if I can say is that you're spreading and sharing information that helps wake people up, brings more awareness, compassion, empathy, love, and joy and inspiration to the world. And that's, that's not easy to do, especially in, in a world that seems you know, for the the mainstream structures of our society seem to be against that, you know, so you're kind of pushing that forward into the matrix. But how, what about like, in terms of navigating relationships, like how, how have you found those, um, you know, your, your practices and uh, the work that you do to kind of inform that aspect of life? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a, a major learning experience. So from every level, from like, you know, your family relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, it informs a lot when you go on this path. Um, I remember when I, I finally, you know, did start Evolve and Ascend and stepped into this, everybody thought I was out of my fucking mind. <laughs> like, oh, you're just nuts. What do you just drink, drink uh, a psychedelic in the jungle? And now you're talking all this hoodoo nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny because what happens eventually, and I, I've learned to like laugh it off, but especially even in my family where like things that I was telling them back in like 2012, now they, they repeat back to me because they heard it on Joe Rogan. Oh, <laughs> like, okay, okay. Awesome. <laughs> You're validated. <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay, well, uh, do you remember I told you that same thing? But okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, har- it's hard not to like get frustrated. And I mm-hmm. think that that's, that's a big part of it too. Um you know, part of practice is not, not you yourself getting triggered by people that may not understand. And then all of a sudden people have that awakening and then co-opt it in a way that they want to. Um, it's, it's definitely been a learning experience. Um, in relationships I've been lucky. Uh, so since, you know, I, my relationship ended with the ex that I was with when I had my, my whole breaking open the head moment. Cause you know, I, f- I found this path and ultimately he found zeros and ones in Bitcoin and God bless him. He's doing really well, but you know, my relationships since then have been with people that really resonate with, with where, where I'm at and we kind of meet in the middle, but now is kind of the first time in my life that I've, I've really been single and being single and kind of speaking from this space and being in this place, um, it's 
it's kind of a, a whole new uh, dance to, to learn because, you know, people either make false assumptions, like I, I'm into Burning Man and tripping all the time, or I identify as a witch and, you know, I'm a weirdo. And really, like, I, I try to stay as down to earth as possible and, and trying to find ways to talk about this stuff without people judging automatically is um interesting dance to dance. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it is a dance. I mean, everything is a dance. It's like one of my favorite Alan Watts quotes of all time, where he talks about the, the meaning of life. Are you familiar with that one? I love it. That's yeah. so great where, you know, it's like just life is like music and the point is just to dance, you know, it's not to get to rush to get to some crashing chord at the end. It's just to go along with the flow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, I experienced something similar. Like, you know, my family's very, uh, I, I mean, I like not like uh, I was gonna say like not Sopranos Italian, but like Italian enough to be like, yeah. you know, like so, you know, like oh, what are you going to, you know, get your head all uh, messed up in the jungle <laughs> over there? Or, you know, like my brother, my brother was asking me, like, so what do they do at this place? What does a guy just come in with a mask and scream and make you pee your <laughs> pants or something? He's like, what are you paying all that money for? I'll do that for free. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, so what? What's like a good, you know? Because I think a lot of people listening out there, like, probably experience this kind of stuff. You know, listening to to my show, following your work, you know, getting into psychedelics, consciousness expansion, these sorts of things. How do you like kind of bring that up appropriately to family members without them like laughing at you, or maybe they will laugh at you. Just have to move on. You know, it, like you said, I mean, it's an interesting dance to dance. But any kind of like words of wisdom from, from experience and how to navigate that, uh, that tango. Yeah. So I think Gandhi said it best. He said, first they laugh at you, then they fight you. And then, then, then you win basically. Right. So ultimately there are these different phases of people coming into awareness with your new awareness. So I remember when I told my mom that I was going to go do ayahuasca and she freaked out and she was like, I'll, t- I'll pay you to not go. I'm so scared. You're going to die. And this, that, and the other thing. And then, you know, I went, I came back and she saw the profound changes that it had in my life. So I think the biggest way to help shift perception is to embody the changes that, that you find on this path and to ask questions. So, you know, when people want to ask or people want to place judgment or like make ignorant comments or say like, oh, you're just fucking tripping in the jungle. You're just doing drugs. And it's like, well, so tell me what you know about ayahuasca. And then, you know, you wind up stumping people and say, well, I'll tell you what I know. And being informed and having facts and tidbits has been really helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just sharing that information. Yeah, I'm just going to um, throw that down there, drop that mic, yeah. walk out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and just, you know, being able to fill up your toolbox with as much wisdom and knowledge as you can and, and knowing how to gracefully play with ideas because nothing can be more triggering than our family. And especially when our family's like, Oh yeah, what are you doing with your life? You know, I, I <laughs> like, I get it. My, yeah. my mom's Irish and Scottish, but like the rest of my family is Sicilian. They're just very much like the, what Sicilian. I like how you yeah. said Sicilian, not a town. Ta- Cause my, that's what my cousin says. I'm not, I'm not Italian. Okay. I'm not even white. I'm Sicilian. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right, sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you get it. Yeah. But 
but yeah, it's just it's being able to find a way to articulate the ideas in a in a really eloquent manner, and that takes time, and it's a skill set to develop, and it's just um, keeping yourself in check and not getting triggered. But um, eventually, you find that you know they they uh, they open up a little bit in time. Yeah, I mean time. Yeah, back to time. Oh, old time. You, you oh, good old time. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> she really bucks hard that time. Uh, <laughs> what what um? What, well, I forgot what I was gonna say. Uh, I I was gonna say something about. Oh, right. Yes, the evolving and ascending. Right. I mean, it's such a great um, you know, aspect of of the journey that we have to take because I think a lot of people. Maybe the misconception is like, oh, cool, you just drink some ayahuasca or you read a book and then all of a sudden you're changed and it's just a perfect rainbow path to bliss. You're riding on a unicorn and you know there's just doves everywhere and <laughs> everything is serene and peaceful and everyone gets along. Everyone who identifies as a psychedelic, spiritual, love and light warrior, we're all, we're all just holding hands singing kumbaya. <laughs> and <laughs> you know... It's not like that. And, uh, no. <laughs> and, and I think that, like, you know, that you have to kind of be prepared, I guess, to, to go through this. So there's some, there's some trials and tribulations. There's some work that needs to be done. Uh, through, through your experience working with psychedelics or even non psychedelics, I mean, any, any kind of moment that you, you had that was like, oh my God, this is, this is going to be difficult to to kind of work through or to integrate or to put into my life? Is there anything that, that comes up uh, for you about that? Totally. So um, funny enough, so when I, when I started Evolve and Ascend that summer, um, I had all of my money in this, this trading platform called Mt. Gox. Um, mm-hmm. I put, all, put like all of my savings into Bitcoin because oh, wow. like Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And at that point it was like, you know, $30 a coin. And I had a really nice stash of it. So it's like, this is what I'm going to use to start evolving and ascend. This would be my nest egg. I know I've been told by my, my spirits on this journey that I'm supposed to do this. And, you know, I have this and now is the time again, man plans, God laughs, right. uh, pretty much within like the month of me starting evolve and ascend overnight. I lost every single thing that I had, Ugh. uh, Mt. Gox got hacked due, due to software malleability. And I didn't have a plan B. I was just like, no, so certain that this is what I meant to do. And that was the money that was going to help me do it. So when everything was lost, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what now? <laughs> I don't know what to do. And it was like, I, I have no idea. Everything's gone. But thank God, I am so grateful that it happened because anything worth having is worth fighting for. And there is no easy fix. There is no quick fix. Evolution and revolution is a chaotic process because out of chaos comes order. And that's one of my favorite hermetic axioms. It's this mantra by which I live my life because darkness is there to show us light. And, you know, if you look at like even in the the mystery schools like Freemasonry, there are these paths of initiation where you have to prove prove your worthiness to attain a goal. So a lot of people think, you know, you have this psychedelic experience, you have this Kundalini awakening, you fucking go to Burning Man, and then you're like, oh my god, I have it all figured out. Maintaining the virtue of humbleness and knowing that like you may have gotten closer to scratching the surface. But like none of us is ever going to have it completely all figured out. And life is going to throw you different things at different times. You never fucking know what's ahead of you. So you have to stay humble and grounded on the path 
and ready for whatever comes your way. Um, there is no fast, quick fix. There is no, now I'm enlightened and I've got everything figured out. Maybe for some people, maybe like, uh, you know, the people that like have that and then they lucked out in timing with Bitcoin, <laughs> who knows? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a never ending journey and there is no, there is no stop to it. If, if this is the path that you're on, it's the, the well runs deep and, um, you just have to, to really stay grounded and, um, humble on the journey. Right. Cause you could have went the other way and been like, Oh, why, why this always happens to me. Fuck the universe. This is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Right. And then what, what are you going to create out of that? Like exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff where like, you know, I, I loved the secret when I first read it, but it's also kind of misleading. And it, there's a lot of snake oil there. Because, Ooh, why is because, that? Because that's just like visualize the million dollar check, see yourself sitting in the car. You're going to get the car when you see yourself sitting in the car. Oh, right, and right, the checks yeah. are going to come to you in the mail. And there's so much emphasis on material stuff, yeah. spiritual materialism. Right, yeah. To the point where some of the greatest experiences that I've had, some of the greatest revelations I've had was when I was dead ass broke. And it was an encounter with a friend or a chance meeting with a teacher or, you know, just, just things that money can't buy. So putting so much emphasis on this attachment to getting that check, uh, I think can also be very damaging. So when that thing happened with, with losing all my money in Bitcoin, I, I had a lot of anger I was like, well, I thought that if I just visualize it and law of attraction and I'm doing everything right, I feel like I'm vibrating at a high level. Why am I not vibrating abundance into my life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Do I, how, am I vibrating at the right level? Can someone yeah. calib can someone test this for me? Do I need to vibrate higher or yeah. Yeah. But then it's like that attachment causes suffering and, there is no great myth. There is no great story that doesn't come without contrast. Right. So, you know, don't, don't, ex don't hold on to such attachment that the path is always going to be full of puppies and kitties and light and rainbows. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I, I got that a uh, similar kind of thing happened when I had a, um, I was really into the Terrence McKenna five, si five grams in silent darkness, heroic doses. So I was doing that. And then like, I got into, I had this mushroom trip and like these like leprechaun elves were like drinking beer and like cheersing and clanking beers and like laughing at me because <laughs> I had like really went super serious. Like I'm, I was just in this weird place where I was like, I was trying to figure out like the transcendental object at the end of time. Like I was going in deep every week and I'm going to like know the big thing and, you know, and they like just turned on me in this like trickster fashion. They were just mocking me and laughing at me and just like, ha yeah. Oh, show me the truth. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm so enlightened. Like, you know, <laughs> and and I was like, okay, all right, I I see. Like, the, oftentimes, the way the universe works is like if we're walking on like a giant Rubik's cube that's ever changing with trap doors that go infinitely down to you know all kinds of crazy places, and you just have to kind of zone in and figure it out, right? Totally. I'll never forget. I had one of. Uh one of my more profound DMT experiences, I, I went into one of, one of the portals within the Rubik's cube. And I, I was basically in this room seeing these two beings just programming their computers. 
And they both look back at me and we're like, oh my God, what are you doing here? Don't fuck with anything. We're busy. And then just went back to programming and I watched them and I was just like, wow, it is, it is so much stranger than we can ever fathom. Yeah. So much stranger. Yeah. And, and I think like for me, for me, like I had this kind of idea when I first started down this path, like, uh, I'm going to get to a point where I figure everything out, you know, like, like that was my original intention was like, oh, I'm just going to figure out like what's going on with like reality like that. Like I'm going to get to a point where I just know that. And now I just think that's laughable, but (laughs) um, yeah, same, (laughs) but there's, but, but, but still we, I think we both know that there, there is like this sort of plane that we can navigate on that. It's like, okay, there's something here. And if we just, like you said, stay humble, keep moving forward. I mean, it's all, it's, 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 did you ever see the movie, um, uh, Interstellar? Of course. I love right. that. What is it? Doesn't he figure out that like the, 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 the whole thing is all about love? Yeah. I think that that's, that's, I mean, it's such a, it's such a funny thing because it's, it's this intangible, right? Love, love, you know, all you need is love. It's, it's the core truth of everything, but it's this, thing because what is love is love a romantic love is love of love between you and your like child between you and your pet is you and a friend and it's this energy i think that it it, it is the all-encompassing overwhelm uh of creative force you know and um yeah i mean i think it, through all the tessellations and the tesseract mm. that is the highest highest vibration of source that we can reach and i hate even using the word vibration but (laughs) sometimes yeah i mean i think sometimes you got it (laughs) yeah like uh mckenna said like you know we don't yet have the right language yet so we still have to figure it out but um yeah i mean it's 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 definitely it's it's ramdas was um uh, giving this talk uh about well i was listening to this recorded talk that he gave about uh, I think it was Krishna and Arjuna, some battle, and he and one of the guys says, "You know, you can't get me because I am love, and love is beyond time's reach." Mm. And I just thought that was really cool. This is the Bhagavad Gita, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, so mm-hmm. beautiful those texts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I mean, it's just like we're here podcasting for an hour and twenty-two minutes now, and. uh now we get back to the 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 kind of the core thing of why we're all doing what we're doing and what what it's all about it's just this love and and connection and trying to spread that and help other people see that right i i think that's oftentimes gets lost and i, I think also too in a, a lot of spiritual or psychedelic communities it's could be very about the mind and about the the power of the brain and the mind and how can we get it to be optimal and what can we see and what can we learn and what can we know? And then really it's like the body and these other kind of intangible things like love are just not, maybe not talked about enough. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, the, the concept of mind within that space is still very much in the body mind because it's like total human optimization. How can I uh, refine my mind so that I can navigate this material realm to the best of my ability, right? Yeah. But um, I love the Kabbalion. It's one of my favorite esoteric texts. And one of the hermetic principles speaks of the universe, that the all is mind, the universe is mental. So if everything is a byproduct of mind, 
love is a like the highest byproduct of that mind. So it's the energy that effervesces through everything. Um, but it's, it's just such a, a dense concept to wrap your head around, even though it's like the lightest thing that we can go towards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost too easy. We're like, no, 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 we want drama. We want a challenge. And yeah. I think, I think that's true to a certain extent. I, I look out at what's going on in the world today and I just see that like people want, they want drama. They want like, maybe they don't really deeply down at their core soul level want it, but it fills the time. It fills the void. It gives them a, purpose and a reason oh what did trump tweet like let me get on that like oh I, you know this 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 theater of life that we that we have and that people get it they're getting sucked into i've gotten sucked into i used to be a aggressive on twitter i i don't use it anymore so much but getting into like little arguments and things like that and uh it's like the, there's like some kind of fun drama to it that i think people generally like yeah, it's a distraction. You know, yeah. it's, it's very hard not to get angry. And there's so much anger in this space. At times, like, I get this overwhelm because there's so much like, fuck Trump, smash the patriarchy and all this, this language that's so dense, right? And one of my other favorite quotes is by Alice Bailey, and she speaks of the universe as a great theater of mirrors. So, you know, people want to just hate on Trump so much. And at the end of the day, this person was a baby at one point and there had to be some kind of trauma or something that happened to him to get to him to be to to be where he's at now and i think what the world lacks now is a sense of compassion because we just want to it's like lord of the flies kill the pig smash his head you know like get right. get rid of him but it's like ultimately that solves nothing mm. what can you see in the reflection of trump that is a up uprising of something within the well of the collective unconscious that needed to be addressed mm. you know because because where people are taking it now I, I don't really see good happening i see more divide and conquer identity politics hate there's so much hate that like it's it just it scares me to be honest and i don't like to feed fear but when i see when i see and feel it it's very dense and it just doesn't it doesn't seem um yeah. Useful. <laughs> right. No, yeah, and even people, I mean, one of the biggest things that I think is uh, that that I notice is like, well, we're 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 on the moral morally superior side, so it's okay to use hate against something that we hate. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Hold on. Like, you know, you're saying that something is hateful or bad or you don't like it. You know, I think you brought up a really good point. This mirrors and uh who's that again? Alice Bailey? Alice A. Bailey. Alice A. Bailey, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, that's totally what it is. It's like, think about what we, when we notice things going on with ourselves on, on an individual level, a part of ourselves that we don't like or something that we do that we don't like. And it's like, oh, get it away. Get it away. I don't like it. I hate it. Ugh, you know, and then that's just magnified, you know, in, in other, on the, on the larger level and with, through other people that we see, you Completely. know. Yeah. Um, I did a podcast with Sean and Cass on Very Ape and Sean had said, it's like, you can't delete your problems. You know, it doesn't, it's, I loved how he said it. It, was yeah. like, it doesn't control really alt, work delete. that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no. Well, we want to, I think that's the thing. Like a lot of the sort of like biohacking and things like that. It's like, how can we, how can we tune the human to a machine, like a machine level of efficiency? where we can just kind of like get rid of what we don't want, keep what we want, and then just make ourselves the most 
optimal performing things. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like maybe if that's what you like, but we're also, we're not machines. Like we're human beings, you know? Yeah. No, I mean that, that stuff, it, it scares me to think about. I think our humanness is what allows us to be unique and have this unique experience. And um, I don't know, the AI stuff and, and wanting to program to be these kind of like machine device. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really well, is, know. Is that, this is good because we're going to, we're going to wrap soon, but I want to get to what's, what, what is the, your biggest, uh, what's the thing that you look at as being like the biggest challenge or concern? I mean, you mentioned that this kind of stuff scares you a little bit, so maybe you could you know throw that in there, and then and then after you kind of answer that, talk about what your what makes you like hopeful and what you look forward to. Yeah, so um, you know, within the the space of non spirituality and spirituality, there is this rampant. Uh, kind of disease of materialism. So there's a lot of spiritual materialism within the conscious media space where it's like, I am a, a, a now like a fashion witch and like I have now self-actualized so that I am wearing all these designer clothes and like, this is just what it's all about. It's all glamor, right? Which you're just feeding an illusion. And I'm not trying to say that from a space of judgment, but there has to be some discerning of what is actually self-serving and what is serving the greater good. And then you look at this place of people wanting to merge with technology and AI as this coming threat to everything. And again, that's taking our reality and making it more within the material. And there's not really like a balance between the spiritual and material. And it scares me that we're going to lose so much touch with, with nature and our humanness and compassion for the world at large that it's just so much emphasis is placed on the self that the selfishness becomes this all consuming abyss that we sink into. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to sound so dense, but it, it really it, it feels that way sometimes and it it really scares me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I yeah, I I I I agree. I think it's it's my whole thing here is that it's like, okay, cool. Like we have all these technological advancements and, and all this stuff and it. And that's, that's good, I guess. But for, for who, for what, like human beings are very adaptable. What do we want to adapt to? I think we have that choice now, you know, we can choose Absolutely. where, what future do we want to have? What do we want to adapt to? Do we want to adapt to the technocratic, you know, like, machine AI singularity thing, you know, where we just destroy everything and we just build our own, you know, whatever. And, and, or do we want to adapt to something different? Maybe something that, that makes us come more into our humanness. You know, I, I think about that a lot. It's just like, where are we going and what is this for? Why are we doing these things? It seems like every innovation that comes out, it's like, oh, cool. Like, uh, Amazon's going to have drone delivery soon. Well, that's that's great. And like, oh, you don't have to worry about wasting time eating lunch anymore. You can just have a pill and like get your nutrients that way. And this way you can be a more productive and efficient worker. It's like, whoa, what are we doing here? What is this? What is going on? And people get people get enamored by the the new technology stuff. That's why I think like there's a lot of this 5G 
concern going around. And I'm, I'm kind of like taking interest in that because a 5G tower was like put on my street. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is good or bad. I don't understand what's happening here. And then you look at like what China's doing with this social credit system and all this stuff. And I'm like, if we don't have like a change or like an evolution of consciousness where people are moving into more of like a human heart space, people are going to accept this stuff because they're going to be like, oh, wow, this is going to make us safer. This is going to have, we're going to have hot, faster speeds, faster connection. That's what, that's kind of what scares me is that like people are going to want that stuff, you know? Yeah, because it's like ultimately the what is it all for, you know, to to play uh, play on some game on your iPhone and tend to your digital props or to like, you know, just get likes and comments with people that you don't even have a real relationship with. I mean, that's the thing. Ultimately, like, what is what is it all for? You are so connected, but so disconnected and there's no balance. And I think that Technology is such a great tool that I'm so grateful for. We're having this podcast. We connect yeah. through social media. Yeah. Social social media has been able to liberate me so that I have a life where I can work for myself. But there's the Angelina Jolie actually has this tattooed on her. Uh, it's quote me nutrient me destroy it, which means what nourishes me also destroys me. Mm. So how do we find balance? Um, Buckminster Fuller, I think, was a great thinker that was trying to find a way to synthesize nature and technology and make it into a holistic th- system. Um, I wish that there was more people kind of thinking in the realms of balance as opposed to this, this situation we're in at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, you're one of them, right? I mean, maybe not at a Buckminster Fuller like level, but you're, you're doing your part. I'd like to think that I am. And there's other people out there doing their part. So what, what gives you like hope? What, what keeps you going, you know, every day when you have to do stuff for Evolve and Ascend? Or I, I want to talk about uh, Whitma too, as we, as we end. Uh, but like, what gives you uh, the, the motivation, the, the hope, the, the light at the end of the tunnel? What, what keeps you going? Conversations like this. Connecting All right. To people, <laughs> connecting to people like you, um, you know, within the starting of Elvin Ascent, I've met so many amazing visionaries and thinkers and creators and conversationalists and just people that really want to see true change and speak, speak a similar language. You know, like the, the fact that this conversation has been like almost like two hours and it's just flowed so beautifully. That makes me so excited and happy. So I'm like, wow, like we all exist in this world. There are these, we, there are people out there that want the same thing. And that makes me motivated to just keep speaking these things and to keep creating and to do what I can within my wheelhouse to, to inspire change in the world. Yeah. The others finding the others and, and yes. uh, the community that can be formed. I know. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. It's been so nice. Cause I like, yeah, I mean like we've just been kind of like, social media buddies, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like ho- digital high fives. We're just like, I love everything you post. <laughs> yeah. Good, digital, good digital stuff. high fives. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And that's another good thing about what you're doing, Jennifer, like with Evolve and Ascend. And uh, like, I, 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 sometimes I, I'll follow different people doing different stuff, but, and they'll post things. And I'll be like, yes, right on. Okay, cool. And then there's something and I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what is that? So I've never had that experience with Evolve and Ascent. So yeah, that means, I I don't know, you're putting out good stuff. So congratulations. Um, That means a lot. What'd you say? I said that means a lot. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Let's talk about um, WITMA, well-being in the modern age, right? Uh, You have something coming up, I think, soon. I don't know if 
Well, we'll see when, when this gets released. But uh, you, you hold live events. Talk a little bit about what this is and how this got started and, and what the uh, function of, of WITMA is. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so our next event is coming up on April 20th in L.A. Uh, it was a funny synchronicity that it wound up being 420. We didn't <laughs> initially plan for that. Nice. But it worked out well. Um, so I basically first connected to Whitma, um, cause Noah Lampert is a dear friend of mine. I, I love him to death. He had asked me to be a panelist at the first Whitma event, uh, which was almost two years ago. So I was first on his panel. We did a talk on comedy, creativity, and consciousness. And, um, from there I was asked to then be a moderator at the next event. Uh, Noah had dropped off, then the partnership changed. And after the the last event in LA, I took a meeting with Anna Longard, who was one of the founders of Whitma. And she had asked me if I was interested in potentially partnering in a bigger way. And for me, something that's really been coming up, especially just even like what we talked about in this conversation is taking it offline and actually like really like bringing people together and creating community and creating things that feel like inclusive and diverse and hold space for the weirdos (laughs) and also the thought leaders. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I want to do this. So our first event with me as an official partner happened this last October and this one coming up um, on April 20th is is the second one where I'm actually a partner in it. And um, for me, it's felt so important to get behind and be a part of and to curate in a very specific way because within the wellness space, there's a lot of just like woke white women (laughs) and Mm. there's not much diversity and inclusivity. And I really wanted to come in and curate from a space of intersectionality where we can hold space for everybody, the artists, the creatives, the the psychedelic people, the people that are the spiritualists. Um, The last event we did in New York, it was so cool because I had my dear friend, Nitin Ron, who is a baby doctor who climbs the mountains in the Himalayas and doesn't consider himself a mystic, but is actually the the most mystical person I've ever met in my life. (laughs) Ah. He's on the same panel with um, Valeria Ruelas, who's on Instagram as the Mexican witch. So we have a witch and a doctor meeting in the middle, talking about the same thing. It's like politically incorrect, but for the wellness space. That's amazing. I love that because I I recently was thinking of something like that um, as I was running the other day because I'm thinking about, you know, I do this podcast. I kind of just, you know, it's just virtual. It's online. I want to start doing more things. And I've been collaborating with a friend here in Denver who is doing live events where he brings people together to watch documentaries and then there's a panel after. And I did a live podcast from there. And so I was like, yeah, this is this is really good to kind of come out and be with people. And I, another idea that I had, it seems like that's what you're doing, is getting people to get together in a space to talk to each other who normally probably wouldn't talk to each other and then see like what happens. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it's so special seeing what does happen from there. So it's like, I hope the next wet by you can come because every, every fall we're doing New York, every April we do. Uh, LA, and then we want to do little pop-ups in between, but it is something really special when you can put everybody in a space together and then take the walls down and then you find out like you actually have way more in common than you ever realize. It's a really fun thing to curate and put together. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in this, you know, digital age, it's so easy, I think, to just kind of fully exist in that digital space. But there's, you know, through my experience, there's nothing more powerful than like being in the presence of other people. Completely. You know, that's, that makes a difference. 
Yeah. Cause, and, and to feel safe, you know, to not feel like there's some hierarchy or there's people above you or because somebody's an influencer with a hundred thousand followers, like whatever the fuck that means <laughs> that they're not human too. Right. You know? So it's like the walls come down when you're all in the same space together. And there's something really beautiful about that. That's actually like where new ideas really emerge from that human connection. Amazing. Amazing. That's so great that you're, that you're taking this on, you're facilitating this and bringing this to, to fruition. I mean, it's what we need desperately is, you know, more people getting together and communicating and having respectful dialogue and the diversity inclusion involved in that is super important. So awesome that you're putting that together. Well, Jennifer, yeah, I mean, this, this has been like just a really cool conversation. I'm glad, I'm glad it flowed the way it did because like, I don't, ever like write questions down beforehand and stuff. And sometimes I'm like, Oh wait, I need to think of a thing to say. And, but I think it, it went well and I'm glad that you made the time to, to talk to me today. Any kind of closing final thoughts, if you want to share any other things that you're working on or upcoming stuff or where people can go and, or just closing, uh, words. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Whitma, Whitma wouldn't be uh, possible if it weren't for Noah, but I also just have to give all credit where credit's due. I do have an amazing partner, Anna Lungard, that who just is a badass businesswoman. So just have to give her a shout and thank you for being such an incredible partner. But, um, you know, I have my Oracle deck coming out on May 14th. Um, it'll be out everywhere books are sold. It's called a Menti Oracle. So if you want to learn more about that, um, Oracle.com. And the deck actually explores a lot of what we talked about on the show and a very tangible way to connect to the present. Um, and if you want to learn more about me, you can go to jennifersodini.com, evolveandascend.com, all that stuff. Um, and I guess my best parting words of wisdom is um, never be afraid to ask questions and you know, don't be afraid to, to talk to people and to, to reach out because um, I think we live in a, in a time where, like we said, there's a lot of fear and a lot of divide and conquer mentality. But at the end of the day, we're all human. And in connecting to other humans, you can connect to your humanness. And um, I think that what the world needs now is more of that, just finding a way to love one another and to care for each other and to, to talk to each other gracefully and um, you know, to open your heart to new ideas. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, it's, and that's just, that's one of the things that I have gotten a sense of from you know being aware of and following your work and stuff it's like just feeling what you just said come it comes through you know and so uh it's always good to see people out there that are really kind of committed to to doing doing it in a genuine authentic and uh you know i i guess <laughs> right i mean correct <laughs> uh appropriate i don't know what the what the right word is but like the right way i guess i'll just say for now as being a, a placement uh, holder for a better word to emerge later so thanks for for doing all the things that you do and for working so hard on creating these things and um and yeah and it's just it's just reinforced through this conversation so i'm so glad that we had a chance to talk because i have such a better sense of uh, of who you are and what you're all about and everything now so go check out evolve and ascend witma go look it all up follow jennifer on instagram she's always posting good stuff on there thanks for listening until next time Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, 
tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell. Share it, spread it, like it, all that good stuff. If you if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com, patreon slash Mike Brank and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank and you can donate as little as a dollar a month, two dollars a month, whatever you want. Help support the show that way as well. But remember, I love you guys no matter what you do. I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts. Message me. I like hearing feedback. Get in touch with me on Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast, Mike Brank on Facebook as well. And um, thanks to our sponsors, Synchro and Hemp Bombs. If you want a discount on keto, genic, and plant-based nutrition products, go to Synchro and type in the code uh, Mikeadelic at checkout to get 20% off. And they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called Keto Mana that I have all the time because it's, it has like no sugar and carbs in it. So it's great. And, um, and it's delicious. And if you want CBD, uh, go to hempbombs.com and get 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And, uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.